Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? It's good to be with you. It's great to be back in person, feeling much better from last week. Thank you very much for your prayers, your concern. I'm actually going to do all five services this week. It'll be great. Uh, also, all of you joining us online, our church online. Do we love church online? Yeah, we're so glad they're with us. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, um, really excited about kicking off a new series coming out of At The Movies. But before we do, I want to let you know about something that we're going to need your participation in that we're really excited about and have been planning for quite a while. Uh, and it's our series that we're going to do in September. I realize it's only August, uh, but in September, we're going to do a series. But you need to know about it now, because what I've noticed in my almost five years of being the pastor here is that we get a lot of questions. We get them in the lobby. We get them after church. We get them in email. Really good questions. Like, Questions about theology, questions about why we do church the way we do, suicide, sexuality, end times, revelation, what do we think's going on, like all kinds of things. And we believe that everything uh, should be on the table at church, that the Bible doesn't leave anything out. We don't want you to learn about it in the locker room or at work. We want to talk about it. And so um, we want to give ourselves four weeks to address as many of the questions that you guys have. And so we're doing a series called Got Questions. It's going to be a four-week series in the month of September, but what we need you to do is during the month of August, the questions that you've wondered, again, we're not doing the favorite color, favorite team, red Nebraska. There you go. That's out of the way. Um, but like, if you have always wondered, like, man, if I could ask my pastor, or my pastoral staff, anything, this is what I had some things I'd want to know. And so you can email us right here at gotquestions at capechristian.com over the next month. And we will not, there's about 5,000 people that come through here every month. So we will not be able to get to every single question, but we're going to get to as many of them as we can. We might even do some bonus content, um, and we're going to pay attention to the questions that obviously if, if 100 people are asking the same question, we're going to deal that, do that. So um, we are really excited. And so you guys are the ones that basically are going to pick the series in September. You're going to pick the content. You're going to hear from our pastoral staff. We have some creative ways we're going to do it. We have a panel. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. Uh, and we already have a, a good start because we've already paid attention over the last five years. Like, wow, that, we get asked that question all the time. So bring your questions. All questions welcome. Nothing is off limits. If we don't get to it, don't take it personally, but we want your questions. Got questions at capechristian.com. So there that, that, now that we got that, I want to jump into this series that we're going to do. And I'm really excited because we're not just going to talk about some stuff next week specifically. You're going to have an opportunity to hear from a guest speaker, a friend of ours, who's going to, to talk, uh, a ministry partner of ours, a little bit more about what we're going to start today. But we're not just going to get an opportunity to hear from somebody, but we're going to get an amazing opportunity to do something really impactful uh, globally. And so you definitely don't want to miss next week. But I'll say this, I want to kick off with this, that I have noticed that anytime, and I think you're probably this way, I go into a new environment or I get invited to be a part of something, uh, usually I'm an extrovert, so I'm always excited first. I always get excited. And then usually when the excitement subsides a little bit, I start to get a little nervous and start asking myself, well, wait a minute, like what, what, what's, what's going on? Like what are the rules here? What are the expectations? I remember my first day of school after being excited. I'm like, what do I wear? What's it going to be like? Is anybody going to like me? I remember, any, I don't know if you've ever been invited to a dinner party. You're like, food and like hanging out. Let's go. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this like, do I need a tux? Is this a cookout? Like, are we talking flip-flops and like uh, cannonballs in the pool? Do I need to bring something? Like, right? Like you go into a marriage or a relationship. It's like, hey, what's that? What's the expectation? Like, what, what are the rules here? What's expected? What's required? Um, and what I have found is, and, and we say often here on our staff, is that uh, clarity is actually kindness. That I do best when I understand what's expected. 
relationally in a situation, you go to a job, you know, some, some of you maybe started a job and, the, and the, 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 the boss brings you in like, okay, guys, we want some feedback. How can we get better? And immediately you're like, is this like one of those places where we tell the truth or do we get fired or how does this work, right? Like, we just want to know what's, what's the real deal here? What's the requirement? How do we do this? And, and so for that reason, I, I believe that clarity is kindness. And um, there's something that God was just really, really, really clear on. And, and it's in actually the Old Testament. And I, I want to frame this as a question. I think I probably know a couple of your answers is, if you knew that at some point, somewhere tucked in the scriptures, that God was really clear on what are the most important things and what he kind of required of you while you were on the earth, would you want to know what they are? Yes, I knew a few of you would say yes. I'm sure some of you online are like, yes, tell me, pastor, you're way more excited than some of these guys are, and I love you for it. Um, thank you. <laughs> too late, too late. If you, uh, but thank you. So, so I want to look into the Old Testament, and, and I want to highlight, and what we're going to spend three weeks on is found in the book of Micah. Uh, now, what you need to know about Micah is Micah was a prophet of the nation of Israel. Let me give you just a, a snapshot of history. A long time before Micah, God showed up and made a promise with a guy named Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to live different than the rest of this crazy world that doesn't know me. And through that, I want to not just bless you, but I want, by the way that you treat other people, I want to bless the people around you. And that way all the world will know that I'm God and, 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 and everybody's going to be better off. And so he said, but there's a specific way I want you to live. And it's different than the way that uh, the rest of the world lives. And so they made this covenant. He, he's, I'm going to establish a nation. That nation becomes Israel. Um, and, and, and a lot of things go well for a while, don't go well for a while. They start out as slaves in Egypt, and then God delivers them, yay! And then they build this amazing, like, temple and city in Jerusalem, and Solomon was awesome, and David was awesome, but the problem was they kind of created the same system that they left. The only difference was they were slaves in Egypt, but they were the oppressors in Jerusalem, but it was, God's like, I kind of care either way because my people are getting hurt, and that's not ever cool, and I don't, I, I kind of don't care what side of the system you're on. Like, just don't oppress people, and so the covenant was, God's like, if you live, if you continue to worship me and you continue to live the way I've told you, clearly, clarity, outline to live, I'm gonna bless you. You're gonna live the right way to life. Things are gonna go well for you. And actually things will go well for the people around you. But if you don't, like things won't go well for you. So they were like, bet, you know, awesome, got it. Well, that didn't last very long. And they were like, yeah, we found God. And he was like, hey, but just be careful from the foreigners and their gods. Well, it didn't take long before they started um, chasing foreign women and marrying, for, and like, and, and, and it wasn't about the women, but it was about like, God knew men are so like, we're so like dumb that like, we'll just like, whatever the girl, like whatever you think, babe, whatever you think. Well, a bunch of these guys started marrying these foreign women and like, hey, let me introduce you to my pagan gods who are way different than your God. Like, whatever you think, babe, you know, uh, for generations. And when you have generations of like, hey, whatever you think, babe, let's just like sacrifice chickens and children and do all the weird, crazy stuff that God said not to do. Let's ignore God and let's do your thing. Like all of a sudden you have an entire generation, you have an entire group of people that no longer worship God, that no longer follow God and they aren't really interested in what God has to say and they've completely broken their covenant. Well, that's the setting of Micah. So what was God's plan? Because he's full of mercy, full of grace, was not to strike them down with lightning, but he's like, oh, I know, I'll send messengers. We'll call them prophets. And I'm gonna warn them and be like, hey guys, you've forgotten the command, you've, or the covenant. You've forgotten to like love me and don't do that. And they were like, uh, and, and you would think that they were like, oh yeah. Thank you, Mr. Prophet, for reminding us that we're not worshiping God. We've kind of lost our track. We've gotten off track. We've lost our way. Thank you so much. You would think that was their response, but did they respond that way? No. They were like, 
nah, we got to do it well, how we want to do. It's all good. We like the way this thing's turning out for us. And so like God keeps sending prophet after prophet to warn them to return, to return to the way that they were living, to return to the way God created them to live. And they actually at some point, one point got so mad, they just started killing the prophets. Like, we're tired of this, you know? Well, they didn't have guns then, but it's the same idea. And so that's the context that Micah shows up like 700 years before Jesus, and he's one of these prophets. He's like, guys, you're like totally ignoring God. You bear his name, you, and, and, and you go to his festivals, and you go to his temple, but then you like live completely opposite of God. Because here's the crazy part. They wouldn't do anything to God, but they still would go to the temple and they would do their sacrifices. Isn't that crazy? You're never going to believe this, but there were people that would go to a religious building once a week and do religious activities for God, and then the rest of the week they would live like they didn't even believe in him. Can you believe people used to do that back in the Bible times? I'm so glad we've come so far. This is the setting of the Old Testament. And so Micah shows up and he's there to warn both Israel and Judah, the kind of two separate lands. He's like, guys, God's been warning you long enough. It's gonna not end well. He says, basically, he's like, you're gonna end up in captivity and you're gonna find your way back in exile. And as history has it, that's exactly what happened. So now you have the Assyrians, they take over Samaria and that's up the Northern Kingdom. And then you have the Babylonians, they take over Jerusalem, that's the Southern Kingdom. This happens between about 586 AD, BC to 700 AD, BC. That's not important, but here's what's important. Micah shows up and in the book of Micah is a short prophetic book towards the end of the Old Testament. And he is reminding them, he's basically saying like, God doesn't care about you going to the temple. He doesn't care about your sacrifices. He doesn't care about your religious activity because you're not doing the stuff that matters. You've, you're worshiping foreign gods. You, are, you have completely broken your covenant. In fact, it's several of the prophets, he's like, I detest your religious activity. Just stop until you start living the way I've called you to live. Because God, like from the beginning, was like, I don't really care what you say you believe or your activities. Like, show me with your life, which is what I love. And so he says, so Micah shows up, and at the end of Micah, towards the end of Micah's letter, he writes this one scripture, and there's three things that he says. God's like super clear. He's like, I'm gonna tell you what you should be focused on. Now, let me remind you of what I require of you if you want to bear my name and be who I made you to be. And it's in Micah chapter 6, 8. And, and, he, and he starts off with this. Marcus, Micah 6, 8 says this. He has shown you, oh man, speaking of God, Micah's reminding them, what is good? Somebody say, what's good? Somebody online type, what's good? That's a, that's a cool greeting, by the way. If, if you meet some young hip person, that's, I've just given you a really good, cool hip. Like, don't, don't shake their hand like this. Like, get in there and be like, what's good? And they'll be like, oh, okay, I see you. Uh, like, just for those of you who want to, like, know, like, you, these guys know what I'm talking about. Um, like, hey, what's good? Well, God's like, hey, I know what's good. It's like, imagine you're like, hey, God, what's good? And God's going to be like, hey, thank you for asking. Let me go ahead and tell you what's good. He says, I've actually already shown you what's good. And then he goes on in the second line and he says, he's, and Micah's reminding me, he says, what does the Lord require of you? And here's what's cool. He gives them three things. And these are the three things we're gonna talk about over the next three weeks. We're gonna take one a week and we're gonna highlight them. And he says, here's what's good. Here's what I require. Let me make this really simple. I know you have these gatherings. I know you memorize stuff, but let me make this really, 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 really simple. Here's what I require of you. So number one, he goes, I want you to, do justly, then I want you to love mercy, and then I want you to walk humbly. 
He's like, I know there's a bunch of commandments and Deuteronomy's long and Leviticus is crazy and all this and all that and you're hundreds of years. But let me just tell you these three things. Here's what God, hey, Christian, hey, follower of Jesus, hey, man or woman of God, here's what God requires. You wanna boil it down? You might make it simple. Let me give you some really simple, let me give you six words. Let me make it real easy. He's like, I think you can remember this. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. He goes, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And if you will do those three things, I'm convinced a lot of the other stuff will take shape and you'll find yourself being who I made you to be and you will be back. They didn't listen to him. It didn't go well. The only good news is he did save a remnant. And he says, and, and, and Micah at that point started prophesying. He's like, you're not gonna listen to this. Some of you are gonna survive, but God is gonna bring a righteous king someday and he's gonna rule over the whole world. And he was talking about Jesus. And that part happened. And so we're gonna spend the next three weeks on those three things, but I wanna work backwards and I wanna do it kind of intentionally uh, because I believe actually we have to start with the last part of it if we're even gonna have a conversation about the first two. I'm afraid that if we're gonna talk about doing justice and loving mercy, we're gonna be trying really hard to do some stuff, but we're missing the most important thing that if, if we don't learn a little bit about humility and walking humbly and talk about that first, if we can walk humbly, those other two actually make a lot more sense on the back end. So we're gonna work backwards instead of forwards and I wanna start with Walk humbly. Somebody say walk humbly. Because I think you have to grasp the last one if you're even going to do the first two. And so first of all, that word walk, uh, it just, it, it's not like, oh, you know, everybody walks different, you know, different people walk a different way. Um, but it's just this idea of how you move through life. Like there's a way that we are to move through life. There's a way that, that God is requiring us to move through life. And it is with humility. So we're going to talk about this uh, for, for, for a minute. So I want to talk about how do we, what is required? What does it mean to walk humbly? It doesn't mean to, you know, like, oh, I'm just walking humbly. Uh, if they're not talking about the physical walk. Um, uh, it doesn't mean to like have some swag. I mean, you can, whatever, but like it's, it's how we navigate life. And uh, one of the things that I found about humility is um, that it often has to do with a correct understanding of the power dynamics and who's in charge and who's in control. A lot of us, we, we, we work on pride, we work on humility, but I, I found something about this with humility in my life. Like, I may think I'm something. I got some followers on Instagram. Like, I did some good stuff. Like, some people have said some nice things. I might start thinking I'm something, but the minute I come eye to eye, face to face, or in contact with something that I know is more powerful than me, I quickly know that none of that matters anymore. Like, for example, take, take, say, for example, say you got a guy who's like, maybe he's a CEO of a Fortune 50 company. He's worth nine figures. He's a great dude, written books, lots of influence, lots of power. Presidents listen to him. And, and I mean, this is, this is a guy, if anybody has a reason to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, walking a little bit, is this guy. And he decides, I'm going to take my company, I'm going to take my guys out, we're going to go on an African safari. And they're out in the safari and the truck leaves and all of a sudden he's standing there by himself and staring him down five feet in front of him is Simba, a lion. Now, in that moment, humility is not a problem. Humility, no one needs to give this guy a lesson on where he stands, his importance and his power because it doesn't matter how many numbers are in his bank account, how many followers he has, how many books he's written, he knows where he stands, right? This is why we Floridians should not swim in fresh water. Thank you. Why? Because there is a power dynamic that we cannot see under the water and there are these large dinosaurs. And it doesn't matter how much we think of ourselves in our little context, that power dynamic, you are second in that dynamic. 
right? Same is true with like shark. Like you might have, you might be like, yeah, you know what? Like the whole world like kind of bows to me. Let me tell you what doesn't bow to you. Let me go throw you over in like the Pacific Ocean with the great white during shark week and see what happens. What's my point? Humility takes care of itself when there's an accurate understanding of who you're around. Do you, do you, get, my, you get where I'm going with that? So, bless you. It doesn't matter how rich, doesn't matter how powerful, doesn't matter who you know, what you know, how many degrees you have, who thinks what of you, what your success is, how much self-confidence is. When there's a power dynamic, you understand where you stand. You know where you stand. And so to walk humbly actually requires three things. And I wanna talk about these and we're really gonna spend our time on the first two. The, 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 the third one is really more what's coming in the next couple of weeks, but I at least wanna introduce it. So to walk humbly. How can we walk humbly? How can we, what does it require? And I, I feel like we've kind of reduced this. I'm, I'm confident we've reduced this down to the most important thing because there's probably a lot of things about, about humility. But, but I'm convinced that if you are interested in what God requires, what's good, he says, and you want to do this, that it starts with, with this idea that if you want to walk humbly, that it starts and probably ends with having a right view of God. Having a right view of God. Just like when you're put in a situation with a gator, or a shark, or a lion, when you are actually face-to-face -face with something greater than you, no one needs to convince you that humility is important and that there needs to be a great respect for the thing that's in front of you. And so for so many of us, I wonder if that's not part of the problem because we have such an inaccurate, incomplete view of God. In fact, uh, A.W. Tozer in, in some of his writings says that the most important thing about any human is what they think about or how they see God. And, and why that matters is because we all, whether you know it or not, we all have a mental image of what God is like, who he is, and we have a tendency to move towards our picture of God. And there's probably never in this, in this day and age been more ideas about who God is, what he is, what he isn't, what he, and, and all this. But, but I think when you want, if you want to walk humbly to understand where you stand and who you are and, and who God is, like getting a picture of who God is, is a great place to start with humility. Because regardless of what we say about him, our actual thoughts and the way we act are the thing that matter most. See, most of us have created a mental image. And one of the things that I'm concerned with is some of us, we've just made this idea of God is like this something somewhere out there, or he's just a little bit better than us. He's like a little bit bigger up, like a little more powerful, a little bit more like, you know, he's kind of like, I don't know, genie in a lamp or, or whatever, or he's distant. Um, but I really believe that one of the, the greatest things that we can do and one of the, the, the things that, that maybe even we need to do as, as Christians, as a church, for those of us who are following Jesus, is that we need to purify and we need to elevate our concept of God. When I understand the bigness of God, when I understand the fullness of God, and I'm not talking about fear, like trembling, uh, uh, but I'm talking an awe and a respect. I can tell you in my journey with God that the more I have understood the bigness of who he is and as he's revealed himself for who he is, I can't help but walk humbly. It's like I'm staring at a lion or a shark going like, oh, I very much know this could go however you want it to, sir. And so I'm just happy to be here. I'd be real happy to stay here if it's all the same to you. And so this idea of, 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 of who God is, I'm concerned that most of us, especially in our fast-paced society, we haven't really taken the time to wrestle that out. Like, who's God to me? Who is God? Because first we have to understand that God is incompre incomprehensible. Like we literally can't comprehend God. We've lost, I think we've lost a little bit of our awe for God. Like God who without effort spoke like 
Grand Canyon in its existence. Without effort, separated land from sea and put sharks in there. And this big bad thing that we're afraid of on Shark Week, he's like, yeah, I, I thought of that. Like, that was nothing to me. This, this God who, who has the power to, who, to, to start and end life, who, who's this God who's like, hey, I have an idea. Uh, like in the year 1980, let's create a human and let's give him to Brian and Deb and we'll name him Corey and let's just see how that goes. That's me, by the way. Just this idea. Like this big guy, and, when, and, and what, I, what, what, I, what I'm concerned is that we don't understand who we have, who we are talking to. And when we have a, a correct view of God, we can't, I believe we can't help but come humble, like walk humbly with God. In fact, the only way I can even walk towards God is humbly. Like, I can't even believe you want to have a relationship with me. You did all of this. For many of us, we, we tend to think of creature and creation alike. And, and for some of us, God is some version of like the best of everything we've seen on earth. And, and we have to understand that he's so much bigger, so much more, so much better than anything we could ever think of. Uh, think of. And we want to reduce him down to manageable terms. We want to reduce him down to something we can control. And, and I'm always, and anybody who's like, well, you know, God is, I just know God's like this. I'm like, oh, I don't trust you with anything. Because God is so much more than anything we will ever be able to handle he reveals as much of himself that we can actually even handle here on earth when we open our hearts and we, we allow the Holy Spirit to like reveal him to, to us, when we actually seek him out. I'm afraid that, 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 that for, for many of us, we've created an image of God that is disinterested, small, doesn't care, whatever the case may be. The other thing about God is he's constant. We don't know anything constant in this world. So to even try to wrap your mind around the fact that he's constant is like, oh yeah, like that's kind of like, no, no, it's not like anything. Because there's nothing constant. Like he's not hot one day and cold the next and angry because you kind of ticked him off with your attitude. Like, no, humans do that. God doesn't do that. He doesn't possess qualities. It's who he is. That's what I love when the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say he has love and he thinks about it and he does love something. Like it's who he is, his attributes. God has no origin. Get this. God, this is how big God is. He has no origin. He always was. You ready for this? Are you? God is everywhere. And God is nowhere. Just seeing a... Why? Because where has to do with matter and space and he's confined by neither. Just think about like, some of you are like, what? Yeah, that's what we're talking about how big God is. He's outside of time. He doesn't need space and matter for us to measure stuff. And he was like, I created that for you guys. And for some of us, like this is to walk humbly. We will never walk humbly in the, in the sense that if we don't have this accurate picture of God and, and really where I stand with him because there's something, there's, there's something so um, paradoxical, there's something so um, oxymoronish about understanding the bigness, the fullness of God, the like, you could wipe this whole thing out without like even snapping your fingers. Yes, that's true. Yet you choose not to and invite me into relationship and have a plan for establishing your kingdom on the world and think I can be a part of it, that's powerful. Well, which is it? Because we were in a culture, right? Well, which is it? Does he want to wipe the, is he big enough to wipe us off the face of the earth or does he want us to help? It's like both. He could do either. I tell my staff all the time, they hate it when I say this, God doesn't need you. 
They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, he actually wants you, and that's way more powerful. God's gonna do what he's gonna do with or without you. Can you imagine, like, can you believe the fact that he's like, hey, I got this with or without you, but you wanna help, wanna be on my team? Yes, sir! The, this, who? The let, me, let there be light guy. I want with him. That, you can't help but walk in, like, you can't help but walk in a humility, be like, wow, be in awe. We've lost our awe. We've lost our wonder. And I, I, I can't help but wonder if God wants to help some of us get our awe and our wonder back. Tozer says this, for most of us, God is a composite of all the religious pictures we've seen, the best people we've known or heard about, and all the sublime ideas that we have entertained. We've created this picture of God, and, and what, if, what if for some of us, just starting this conversation, the big three, the, the, that we're calling it, the big three, these three, is this, this idea of like, God, I may need to deconstruct, not my faith, but some images, some pictures of who you are, so you can show me who you really are. None of us can fully comprehend, or God is so big, so powerful, that none of us could fully grasp or even handle how big he is, yet he's always really good about revealing as much of himself as we can handle at the moment. There was one person one time who was like, God, I want to know you in your fullness. I want to see you in the Bible. His name was Moses. And God was like, oh, you can't handle that. I'd kill you because you can't handle my glory. He's like, but, but, but this is so funny to me. He's like, here's what I'll do. You go stand on a rock. I'll cover up and you can watch my backside when I walk by. True story. In Exodus, he's like, you can't handle my face. My backside will work. And he did. Why? And it was, well, it was, you're saying God would like murder Moses? He's like, no, you're a created being. And if you ever were to experience the fullness of who I am, you literally physically couldn't handle it. That's what heaven is for. That's what forever is for, which is what it'll be like, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to get to be with the fullness of him forever. That's how big he is. And some of us, we, we, we just, we, we, you are missing out. We are missing out on so much because we're like, yeah, I think God's out there somewhere. Oh, he's so interested. He's so big and he's so in on what you're doing. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He could do it without you. He, in fact, he created all this. And it's that beautiful, beautiful balance. Paul, when he was trying to describe this to the, 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 the Greeks who at the time thought pretty high of themselves. And so he wrote a letter in Corinthians. And he's like, hey, just to put this in perspective, he says, yet for the us, there is one God, the Father, whom are all things and for all things we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. He says, basically, he's like, there's only one God and everything exists for him and everything exists through him. How big is God? How, 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 how can I see him rightly? That, oh, outside of him, none of this is even possible or exists. John, uh, the apostle who followed Jesus, says it this way. He says, through Jesus, he's talking about through God, same thing. He says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I have found something, a, a correlation that the people that I know that in their life that walk humbly, that, are, that have genuine humility, actually have a deep and clear picture of who God actually is. You can't have a great picture of God. You can't have an accurate picture of God and not walk humbly, I'm convinced. And so for some of us, rather than all the doing and being and doing and being, what if we actually carved out time and, and prioritized this idea of like, God, help me to know you in the fullness of who you are. Help me to see you for who you are. One of the prayers I pray regularly is, God, I wanna know you for who you are, know you for who you are, not who I think you are or who I've made you to be. And then maybe just giving him permission to go, you can strip away anything that I've made attributed to you that is not you. That's a regular prayer of mine. Help me to know you and see you for who you are, not who I want you to be or who I've made you be. Why? Because 
This is what the Lord requires. Walk humbly. And I can't walk humbly if I don't have a right, seeing the right view of God. The second one, is, and this comes after that, is not only do we have to, if we're gonna walk humbly, have a right view of God, we also have to have a right view of ourselves. Um, about three years ago at Biola University, it's a Bible college in California, um, some of the professors did some uh, pretty extensive humility research. It's pretty fascinating. And I love kind of one of their summations. They said, humility is actually a relational virtue. It involves having an accurate view of self, not too lofty and not too self-deprecating, and a focus on the betterment of others. I love this because to me, it's how I've kind of always understood humility and, and how I'm supposed to be my vels is there's almost this beautiful, delicate balance. Like for example, I said this a couple of weeks ago, they believe 117 billion people have walked the earth. That means you're one in 117 billion which makes you, by definition, priceless, a masterpiece. There's never been anything like you that gives you so much value. And it also means you're not the only show in town. Right? We like the first part better. Well, like, which is it, right? Again, we live in this immature society that's like, go to the edges, be either or. And often to to walk this way is like, no, I'm gonna be both and. Well, which is it? Am I God's masterpiece dearly loved? Yeah. Am I not the only show in town? Yeah, you're not. And all the other 117 billion he loves just the same. And so it's this idea I love, not too high, not too low. We're beautifully, wonderfully, beautifully and wonderfully made. Oh man, that means I'm like the most important. Yeah, and then he says, lower yourself above below everybody else. Well, which is it? It's both. To have a, a self-act. And, and again, how can I do that? Oh, that's easy because I have a right view of God. And when I have a right view of God, there's so much safety and security and love in that. I don't need a broken world to define my value. I've already understood it. Come on, somebody. Paul, uh, again, writing to the Romans, the Greeks again, he says this, Romans 12, he says, for by grace given to me, I tell you, every single one of you, do not think uh, more highly of yourself than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Again, he doesn't say, think of yourself as the worst piece of trash ever. No, he's like, just think rightly. Don't think too high. Don't think too low. Just think rightly. And he goes, in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. He goes on in verse six and he says, we all have different gifts. Watch this according to how hard we work and how awesome we are. No, he says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. So how am I to walk home? So, because here's here's the question, right? Let's just, let's let's, let's call it what it is. How do I know that I'm good at something, a a strength and be humble about it? How do I have a weakness and, 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 and not take, be too hard on myself? Well, there's the beautiful balance, and here's how this works. What do we do with our strengths and our weaknesses? It's brilliant, and it's really easy. How do we recognize our strengths? The, the real easy part of this is gratitude. Because some of us, like, you know, it's okay to acknowledge that God has given different gifts. He's the giver. He's given you gifts. So to say, oh, no, I'm not good at that. I don't have that. I'm not, no, I'm nobody, is actually to insult your creator. So rather, how do you walk in humility in your strengths? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Man, I have to be the first one to give credit and thanks to my, the giver of all the things that I have. I didn't do anything to get this. I didn't, I've tried to hone it. I've tried to steward it a little bit well. I've tried to sharpen it, but God gave me this. I couldn't, you know, he decided this was gonna be who I am. Yeah, pastor, you have a little bit of energy. You got, you know, you're able to communicate a few things. Hey, listen, some of you don't think that's a strength. God gave me that gift. So don't look, no, no, but you hear me say this all the time. Don't look at me like I'm something. Talk to the giver. I'm just grateful to God. So that's the beautiful part is, is, and and I love this about gratitude because gratitude disrupts the temptation of pride by focusing on the giver rather than myself. 
man, you're really good at that. Man, God just gave me a natural gift and I'm so glad he is. I don't have to work as hard at that as some other people, but let me tell you, there's some other things I gotta work harder on. I know you know what I'm talking about because the same is true for you somewhere, right? Look at how easy that is. No, I'm a nobody. No, that does not honor God. God gave me, I, I'm being grateful to the gift giver. Anybody who give, pays you a compliment, man, I just gotta be so quick to thank God because he made me this way. You know, I'm trying to embrace it and trying to do the best I can with it. Thank you for noticing that, but I just gonna give God the glory. Gratitude, just point to him. What about my weaknesses? Oh, this is the best part. You know what the Bible says? He's the potter and we're the clay. Well, you're broken. I know, you know what, that's what pots do. You're messed up. I know, you know what, that happens. I get cracks in, and so you know what I do? Is I go and I put the clay back into the potter's hands. Do you know what a good potter does with a crack or a seam or a broken pot? They water it, they warm it, and they remold it, and they reshape it, and they make it like it never happened before. They restore it, they heal it, they, 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 they put it back to good use. And so, oh man, what do I just keep failing, I keep failing. You know what we gotta be quick to do? Just go back to the potter's hands. Just go back to the potter's hands. Just, I, I, I'm broken, I'm cracked, I did it again. I can't get out of my own way. It happened again. Oops, I did it again. Thank you, Brittany. Whatever the case may be. It's like, so how do I, how much to manage this week? Well, how could God ever get credit? Oh my gosh, because every time I'm broken, I come back to the hands of the potter and rather than smite me off the earth, which he could, he says, hey, I'm the potter. Let me mold you and shape you. And I know you think you're ready to go back out to the big bad world, start a new job or start dating. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's fix this. Let's mold this. Let's shape this. Let's make sure that we don't run into the same problem again and you keep falling, keep cracking. Just let me be like the potter for you for a minute. So what do I do with my strengths? I give credit to the giver. What do I do with my weaknesses? I just run really quick back to the potter's hands. What does that look like? Just quickly, good God, I need you. I can't handle this. Come quick. Come now. A right view of myself when I understand and have a great picture of God and, and, and awe and his reverence and go like, wow, like you could be mad at me and you, you, you didn't have to create me and you could kill me and you created all this without effort, yet you want a relationship with me and want to use me and you have good things for me. I can't help but be humble. Wow, well, Pastor, you have, some just, you have some just amazing gifts. You have some amazing gifts too. We all got gifts that were given by his grace from the giver. And let's just be quick to point those out. Yeah, I got some weaknesses too. But you know what? I'm, I've just learned to keep coming back to the potter. And you know what he does? He restores and he redeems and he fixes and he heals. And nobody, I, every time I put those weaknesses in somebody else's hand, be like, hey, do this for me. It ends up being worse. But when I do it for God, like somehow he does it. Humility is just, us being honest about ourselves to ourselves. And then the last thing, and, and, and this is really just a preview to the next two weeks. How do we walk in humility? Well, first of all, we have to have a right view of God. Then from that, we have to have a right view of ourselves. And then that usually leads to the third one, and we actually have to have a right view of others. What about the other 8 billion people on the planet? What about the other 117 billion? How does that work? Well, that's what the next two weeks are about. That's where justice and mercy come in. And, and, and again, you can't afford to miss what we have, especially next week. And you'll, you'll, you'll hear about it both weeks, but, um, but you have to have a right view of others as well. Paul said it this way in Philippians. Again, another letter to a different group of people. He said, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but each of you should look for the interests of others in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I know it, some of us, we think about that, like, how can I view others? How can I put others ahead of myself? Because here's the question, right? If I put others ahead of myself, then who takes care of me? Oh, but see, that's the best part about doing the first part. When you understand the potter, when you understand whose hands you are in, 
There's so much security. You don't need anything from any of his broken creations. You are in the hands of the creator. So you're so fulfilled, you're so satisfied, you're even being restored and redeemed. And sometimes he even uses you in the process of redemption. He doesn't be like, well, now you're perfect, go be used. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna use you along the way. So I can look out for the interests of others. I can be others oriented, not as a to do, but as an overflow of what, the, what has come from me just being in the potter's hands. That I'm quick to give credit to the grace giver and I'm quick to run back to the hands of the potter. And some of you, you're here, you're watching and you have, your life is you're cracked, broken, cracked, broken. Why? Because you continue to put those cracks and breaks in somebody who ain't the potter's hands. Some guy, some girl, some money, some entertainment, some whatever. And the invitation just simply is this. A correct view of God may for you start with going, God, I'm going to give you a chance and I want to put my life in your hands. And the potter's going, I can fix it. I can heal it. I can, I can buff that edge, that anger, that temper, that healing, that, that, that pain, that, that, that thing that you have that goes 25 years deep with your mother, your mother-in-law, your, your stepdad. I got that. It's, you can't find it in a spouse. You can't find it in a job. You can't find it. You're still looking for your dad to love you. You're never going to find that in any other person. So come to me. Watch me. Let me be in my hands. Let me buff that out for you. And when I do, you'll, you'll second nature, you'll start to elevate others above yourself because there'll be such a security, such a wholeness in that. So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to go a lot more into that over the next two weeks. But today, our invitation is walk humbly this week. Before we, I didn't want to go, hey, we need to do better with people. We need to do more. There's going to be opportunities not just to hear, but to do in the next couple weeks. But I didn't want to do that if we first don't understand our standing with the, 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 the most powerful force in the universe. And so this week, our assignment is to spend some time going, God, I want to have the right view of you, digging into your relationship with God and asking yourself, do I have a right view of him? Have I constructed something that's real? Is it who you are? Because if, if you want to find him, he's to be found and you will like what you find. So we're going to walk humbly with Christians and with people who don't know Jesus. We're going to walk humbly if we have a little and we're going to walk humbly if we have a lot and we're going to walk humbly in the highs and we're going to walk humbly in the lows and we're going to walk humbly and we're going to continue to, to quickly acknowledge what I may have that it came from the giver of grace and what I don't have. Man, you don't even know how good it is to be in his hands. And if you're here and you've never put your hands, your life in the hands of the potter, I just want to say a quick prayer and invite you to, 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 to do that in your heart. We've made it easy to connect with us through the process. You can get out your phone and text Cape Yes to 94,000 and we want to send you a video and just walk this journey with you. But for some of you, you, you need to start there. It's, it's I, I've, been, I've been going to the wrong potter, potter's house. I need to put my hands in the potter. And for the rest of us, please, 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 please don't let this be something you heard this week. But let's actually work on carving out the right picture of God. God, do I have the right view of you this week? Because if we get that right, how we view ourselves and how we view others kind of takes care of itself. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this message, this word. God, we want to get the big three right, the big three, and help us to start with walking humbly. God, I pray that you would help us to, to have an understanding, a, 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 a right view of who you are. God, if there's anybody here listening to my voice who's never put their life in your hands, I pray that they would know that them being even in a position to hear this message is the, the creator powerful universe aligning everything necessary for the invitation to go, I'm gonna give God a chance. And if that's you, just in your heart, I wanna encourage you to decide to put your hands in the, your life in the hands of the potter. God, for the rest of us, as we seek you, God, may you be found this week. Would you reveal yourself to us in a very real way? 
where we could walk humbly with you. Because I believe if we're gonna even attempt justice, we're gonna even attempt mercy, we gotta start to walk humbly. God, may we have a right view of you, a right view of ourselves so that we can live the way you've called us to live. We thank you for this word and this time. In Jesus' name, amen.